Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Gardening in Canada podcast. I'm your host, Ashley, and I'm a soil scientist. On this channel, I like to take that science and apply it to all things plants. That's both in the garden and indoors. So if you want to hear more, be sure to stay tuned. Hello, hello, plant people. How are you guys doing today? Welcome to today's podcast episode where we're going to be talking about whether or not you need to fertilize your houseplants during those winter months. But first, I want to thank all of you who are coming in and staying tuned over here on the Gardening in Canada podcast. I know many of you likely are either from the blog or from the YouTube channel, but if you're tuning in from elsewhere, such as a podcasting host, then hi, hello, welcome. My name's Ashley, and you can literally find me nearly anywhere. Just search Gardening in Canada, and my fiery red hair should pop up on the stream. No problemo. Uh, click on that soulless human and voila, you are in the Gardening in Canada's uh, inner circle. So I want to take time uh, with this podcast to first say thank you so much for tuning in. The purpose of the podcast was initially just to help me speak better. And by that, I mean fluidly without the pressure of a camera, um, but in a formal sense still. So I'm trying to work on my ums, my ahs, my awkward pauses, and I do feel that this helps enormously. My goal one day with Gardening in Canada's platform is to do public speaking. So if I can improve that in the comfort of my lounger, my lazy boy couch I'm in currently, I'm wearing a, uh, a beautiful nightgown that says stop stressing me out with a cat on it. I can do it anywhere. Am I right? Or am I right? So let's jump in to today's video. Now, if you do like free stuff, I do encourage you to go over to the Gardening in Canada website. That's www.gardeningincanada.net. Over there, I do have a free printable you can grab. And in that free printable, kind of gives you a basic guide on how to fertilize your houseplants both in the summertime, but also in the wintertime as well. So just some tips and tricks and some instructions to follow to really ensure that you don't over fertilize if you choose to fertilize in those winter months, which is ultimately our biggest concern when it comes to winter fertilization. So let's jump into the meat and potatoes of this entire podcast here today. So as an indoor gardener or an indoor grower, whether that be for houseplants or just out of pure curiosity, you're probably wondering whether or not plants should be fertilized during those winter months. And it's not a very simple yes or no answer. It's actually quite in-depth topic. 
So this podcast may end up being a little bit longer than what our normal 30-minute podcast is, but nonetheless, it's good information to get out. Now, if you do find this information valuable or helpful, please feel free to share. Sharing is caring, and I have horrible luck with algorithms. I don't do this for money. This is a part-time fun for me. Just the Gardening Canada in general is for fun. And so that means I don't take time to do SEO or anything like that. So the the growth I do have is completely organic and natural. Isn't that wonderful? But your sharing does help enormously. So the first way to look at this is different forms of fertilizer. So there's obviously many different forms of fertilizer. We can have organic versus inorganic. And then we can go to the actual physicality of said fertilizer. So that can be slow release granular, sticks, liquid, uh, dissolvable granular, such as the all too famous uh, miracle Grow Kool-Aid, the blue stuff there. And all these have different benefits and different attributes. So when it does come to organic fertilizer, we don't have to be as worried, to be totally honest, when it comes to fertilizer burn or over fertilization in general. It's in a format that isn't heavily processed, so there isn't a ton of salt, and that's kind of our main concern. When it comes to different forms of fertilizer, and conventional, unfortunately, does have a little bit of excess salt involved. If you are using a slow release, such as the sticks or the actual ball things that go into the soil in the form of organic or inorganic, I don't recommend fertilizing during those winter months. That granular stuff tends to last in the soil system and be viable in that soil system for usually around 9 months, 9 to 12 months. So if you recently repotted that plant in the springtime, it's likely okay. Now, if that granular fertilizer or those slow-release sticks are over a year, then it's time to use a normal uh, liquid or dissolvable granular fertilizer with your houseplant because the fertilizer that is in there is spent and all that's typically left if you do see any sort of granular in there is usually the filler so it'll be maybe like a clay substance or something of that sort which generally won't dissolve entirely but serves absolutely no purpose or benefit to your plants themselves. So if you are working with a liquid, then this entire podcast applies to you. But if you recently applied any granular, I'm going to tell you during those winter months, you want to just leave everything as is. You don't want to add any extra fertilizer. That is for sure. Now, Houseplant Journals did make an Instagram post on fertilizing in the winter months when we see new growth on the plant and this makes sense he makes a great point if you're seeing upper biomass growth it's a great sign that your plant is still in need of nutrients of course it's going to need that not only for the new growth support but also to support that old growth as well and it's not uncommon to see uh, plant growth continue into the fall months we'll get into why that is a little bit later but it will begin to slow down here around the end of December. Your plants should almost go into a sign of dormancy. And this is more so what we're talking about. So when we look at a plant and we don't see any signs of new growth, 
it's a great indicator that the plant is dormant. So what do we do now? Do we still fertilize her? What is the plant up to in its dormancy phase? And it's difficult to know because our new growth tells us a wide variety of different things, but mainly it shows us whether or not our plant has a nutrient deficiency. We tend to have crippled looking leaves, um, cupping, smaller leaves, that sort of thing showing up when we have a nutrient deficiency. But if we don't have a nutrient deficiency and rather we just have a, you know, by all means sleepy plant, how do we know whether or not to fertilize? And if we do fertilize, how much do we add? I decided to look at the whole concept of fertilizing during the winter months for houseplants in a very odd way, in a very abstract way. And I went to the extremes when it came to research papers because there isn't a ton out there for those of us in these northern climates where we do see houseplant dormancy in plants that otherwise normally would be completely actively growing in their natural environments. And I decided to go to the extreme of looking at trees and specifically those trees that go totally dormant. So we're talking deciduous and evergreens. There's no action on top. In some cases with the deciduous, the leaves are entirely gone, but somehow that plant lives year after year, despite the fact that it appears to be completely shut down. And this is when I discovered that this is actually a hotly debated topic, or it was at one point. Now, when it comes to plant dormancy, the idea was that the plant was in a survival mode. It was doing the bare minimum of processing to ensure its survival. It was doing the least amount of work possible. And that was kind of the accepted theory. There was plenty of different tests that were done and plenty of different things that people had tried ranging from digging up the earth while it was frozen, trying to grow plants in frozen environments, you name it. None of which yield us, yielded us the results we needed to actually determine what the heck was going on during those winter times. So now we insert uh, new technology. <laughs> and it's literally that. That's what's taught us what in reality is going on with our otherwise seemingly dormant plants and through imaging technology we've discovered what exactly our roots are doing when the snow has hit and the ground is frozen. So when we look at the imaging technology there was three main things that came out. The first one being is that roots do not grow at the same rate in all areas. Roots have a ton of different jobs in the winter is the reality and one of those jobs is expanding their volume and their biomass into areas that have new sources of water and nutrients. So long as that soil is above freezing, we end up with nutrient and water uptake and therefore an expansion of that root biomass. The second thing that the technology has shown us is that house plants have certain times of explosive growth. So while the plant roots appear to be growing all year long and the upper biomass is obviously growing during those summer months, during early summer, end of spring, 
we end up with an explosion of root growth. And then that root growth continues into the fall months. So with our houseplants, we're seeing a huge explosion of growth in the spring. And then we are seeing a growth in the fall. I'm sure we've both, we've all noted that in our own houseplant collections here. So that is one of the other things that did come out of the imaging uh, experiment that was done. The last thing that was a little bit odd is that just like the upper biomass doesn't generally grow evenly, the lower biomass does not either. And I'm not sure why I thought this was odd, but I just assumed in my mind that plant roots would grow evenly from all ends and they're kind of all the same length. But the reality is that the lower biomass grows just as unevenly as that above ground biomass, meaning different sides will grow faster than others. Um, one half of the plant may have longer roots than the other. And yeah, it's just an interesting little tidbit of information. So if you ever notice with your houseplant uh, that maybe one side has more roots than the other, it's actually completely normal and it's nothing you've done wrong. It's just what plants do with their root systems. So you're probably wondering, well, what does this have to do with my houseplants? And the reality is that while your upper biomass in your houseplants may look as though it's gone dormant, below ground, your plant is treading water like crazy. So your plant likely is working on its root system while also building up those battery reserves. One thing that was noted in this study was that as plant roots absorb nutrients, the upper biomass may be taking a break. However, when the temperatures warm up, when the sunshine comes out, it is not uncommon for the nutrients uptaken during those winter months to aid in a massive explosion of growth in the summertime. That means if you want to see some really epic growth in that early summer stage, more than what you normally would, fertilizing the entire winter season is key. So allow those battery reserves to build up during the winter months. The reason why the plant is doing this or the thought process behind why the plant is doing this is because during the winter months, the focus doesn't have to be on foliage growth. That means the plant doesn't have to focus on pushing out new foliage and rather it can return its attention back to the roots. It's all about balance here with the plant and this is its way of achieving that balance without running both systems simultaneously. You have to keep in mind that what we see above ground is literally in many cases less than half of the entire biomass of that plant. Some root systems on plants are insane. Now our houseplants don't take the cake on this, but if you look at a monstera roots and just the number of monstera um, air roots in a jungle setting, that alone tells you enough about just the sheer size and volume of lower biomass that is possible. Now, because this is a balance game, making your plant try to be in an active growth stage and 
trying to ward off dormancy is never a good idea. Even in these tropical environments that our houseplants come from, there is a level of balance that is achieved. And it's not uncommon for plants to represent a dormant state in the wild. Now, does it come at the same frequency of once a year? Probably not. Does it come at the frequency of, you know, six months at a time? Again, probably not. It's likely that in these tropical environments, it's on like a two, three year cycle, but it's still on a cycle nonetheless. And the plant does need this time to work on its root system. So while there are mechanisms in which you can starve off dormancy, it's never a good idea to do it for extended periods of time. It takes a lot of work to make new foliage and therefore the additions of adding heat and water and trying to keep it out of that state is counterintuitive. We need to work on the bottom half as well. Now, if you did choose to starve off uh, as much possible hibernation, you can through raising your temperatures and ensuring your temperatures are left high keeping a grow light on your plants for again 16 to 18 hours a day in a lot of cases will help and then keeping that soil temp warm actually is a huge trigger for many many house plants around the world so that's a way to prevent dormancy but again your plant wants to go dormant every once in a while it's just convenient that it automatically does it in a northern climate here in Canada once a year. So now the next question is, how do you fertilize these houseplants in the winter time? And the first thing is follow the instructions. I think it's a really common thing for people to think that miracle Grow or that these companies are trying to make you kill your plants. But I can trust you, they wouldn't sell anything if they killed your plants. So if you follow the instructions, they actually heavily underdose or they heavily uh, undersuggest <laughs> what's needed. So in many cases, if you follow just those instructions, you will be just fine. My only word of warning when fertilizing in the wintertime is if your fertilizer package that you have or your brand of fertilizer you have says water bi-weekly or water once a month, don't water if your plant does not need it. What I mean by that is if your soil is moist and you notice that the water has not been used by said plant, don't give it more just because the fertilizer instructions tell you to. Wait till the soil dries out to an adequate soil moisture content, and then you can follow your fertilizer instructions. So just something to keep in mind. Um, the reason why I say that and why I wouldn't do it is because the plant is going to use that water. And if the plant isn't using the water that's available to it, it's likely not going to need uh, excess or a new injection of nutrients because it's very clearly not in a very active stage, both root-wise and upper biomass-wise. And so if you're no noticing a lower water utilization, that means there's a, a lower nutrient utilization and you don't want to push the matter because you will end up with root rot in that phase. But when it is time to water, there are some other things you may want to watch out for. And uh, that is not over-fertilizing or 
by all means, trying to make sure you don't over fertilize and trying to prevent that when possible. So like I said, this is on the printout that I have over on the website, but I will also go through it here with you verbally, step by step. I know I do have some folks that use the blog, use YouTube, and obviously the podcast from all different walks of life. Uh, not everyone can read, not everyone can hear, and so I'm here to kind of bridge that gap when possible. So step one when you are watering your plants is to put your potted plants in a container of water. One thing I notice is that in the house plant community, we wait for our plants to dry out way past the point of where our plants should be to dry out. And that means we need to rehydrate that soil. And if we don't rehydrate our soil properly, we end up with these areas where water does not touch and therefore we end up with root death. So in order to prevent that, we need to saturate that water as much as possible and let the capillary action do its job. You may want to leave this potted plant in a container of water for one to two hours. It's not going to harm the plant. You are not going to overwater the plant. You will not get root rot. Just follow this like a chemistry experiment and you will be just fine. So you can skip this step if you please. If you do choose to skip this step, you just got to do step two more thoroughly. So step two is taking that plant that you just soaked, letting it drain out, and then continuing to flush that soil. So this is for people who are worried of over fertilization. If you have not yet fertilized, you can skip this step. But if you are fertilizing on a regular basis, and you just want to make sure all those excess salts are removed, then this would be the way to do it. So you're going to want to put your pot under running water, whether that be the shower or the sink, and you're going to let that water run for an extended period of time. What's going to happen is it's going to flush out all those water-soluble salts and nutrients. There is a ton of nutrients, such as nitrogen, for example, that are water-soluble and will be leached from that soil system if they are present in excess. This will limit the chances of you getting any sort of over-fertilization issues. You can run this water through for 5-10 minutes, whatever you feel is good enough. But once you are done, the next step is crucial. I want you to take your pot and I want you to tip it about 40 degrees. So the corner of the top of your pot is facing the sky and the bottom of your pot is kind of facing your palm. I want you to tip it as though you're going to drink out of it like a cup. And I want you to hold it in that position for a small period of time. You're going to notice that a ton of excess water drains out through your drain holes. This is exactly what you want. What you're doing is you're changing your field holding capacity of your miniature pot. And I'm sorry for the odd language, but that is what it's called in scientific literature when we look at this from a soil science perspective. So when we change our field holding capacity, we are removing something we call the perched water table. The perched water table is this very fancy thing where essentially all that happens is our water sits directly in our root zone and it causes something we like to call root rot. So in order to eliminate that excess water that's hanging out, a slight little tip uh, ends up 
increasing the height of your container and therefore gravitational pull and a few other fancy forces are involved and the water drains out through the bottom. This is now the time to add your fertilizer. So you're going to fertilize uh, and mix your fertilizer based on the instructions and you're going to water the plant until you begin to see water running out of the bottom. You are officially fertilized up. If you want to play it on the safe side, you can again do that nice little tip method. Lower your field holding capacity. Get rid of that dreaded perched water table and you are complete. You can wait until the next time your plant needs to be watered in order for it to be fertilized. But that is all I have for you guys here today at Gardening in Canada. Of course, be sure to check out the blog post, the YouTube channel if you want a bit of a visual on this topic. But all in all, fertilization during the winter months can actually see you some great gains in those summer months when it comes to house plants. You have to let me know in the comments down below if you've fertilized throughout the winter or if this will be your first year giving it a shot. If you're ever nervous about any of these concepts or any of these scenarios, go to Home Depot, go to Walmart, get a cheap old pothos for $5 or a dracaena or whatever, something nice and inexpensive, and then experiment with it. Try out different things. See what works in your home. I cannot stress how important this is. Depending on your environment, how much light you have, your humidity in your home, the temperature of your home will all change your plant's ability to survive and thrive. So just keep that in mind. I want to thank you guys so much for watching. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to share, rate it, do whatever you have to do to make the podcast successful. I have no idea what it is. And I will talk to you guys next time. sure to grab your houseplant planner, your garden planners over on Amazon. There is a paper back option as well as the Etsy page which has the PDF option for all those who like to use GoodNotes or have a printable on hand. I want to thank you guys so much for supporting this podcast and just the platform in general. The plant people are awesome and have an awesome evening, morning, day, whatever the case is. Be stress-free and hang out with your planty friends. Talk to you guys next time. Bye.